Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast as part of Christ's Covenant McAllen. We are so blessed to have you tune in today and to give us the opportunity to spend 30 minutes with you. That's something that we don't take lightly here at Christ's Covenant. Time is valuable. It's the one thing that we can never get back. So the fact that you are willing to spend 30 minutes of your day with us means a lot. So we want to thank you for that. We want to invite you to check out our website at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org to also check us out on Facebook at Christ Covenant McAllen. And come on down to the brick-and-mortar building here at 1320 West Nolana Avenue. Send us an email. Give us a call. Stop on by. We'd love to meet you. Love to hear about you. Love to answer your questions. So before we begin, I'd like to open with prayer. Our most gracious and eternal Father who art in heaven. Father, we thank you for hearing us. We ask that you would forgive us for often not hallowing your name. Father, we ask that you would forgive us as a nation for turning our back on you, for walking away from your covenant standards, from walking away from who you are. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us and heal our land, that you would bring us back to that place of righteousness. Help us to extol your name and give you all the glory and honor that you are due. Help us to live, Father, for you. Help us to display you in our lives. Let people see that we are your follower. That we are bought by the blood of your son, Jesus the Christ. We are honored and humbled to be called Christian. For we truly do understand, Lord, what it means to have that covenant relationship with you. Please forgive us of our downfalls and our shortcomings. Help us to see where we have stumbled that we would not fall there again. Move in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, we are going to continue where we left off in Romans chapter 8. We're starting to get to the point of where Paul expresses how Christ is ascended and seated at the right hand. But we've been covering a lot in the previous message just kind of touching on these verses. And as we go through them, we've been able to see that as we are Christians, it calls for us to have a different life. Our responsibility as Christians in fulfilling the Great Commission is to display that different life than those around us, to display the grace of God to be able to be different, not follow after the lusts of the flesh, not have that carnal mind, not be following and bound to the sin that once held us so tight. We should be rejoicing in the fact that those shackles have been taken off of us and we have liberty in Christ and that we have been predestined and called by a divine call and so I want to go back and touch a little bit on this as we start to get into the ascension aspect 
and the seated nature of Christ. So we're going to start here in Romans 8, 28, and we're going to try and go through the rest of the chapter on this. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom, and this is a sticking point for some people, but let's get into this foreordination and the foreknowledge that God has, for he is God. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's not talking about a glorification here on earth. This is an eternal glory. God knows the beginning from the end, and this simply is telling us that he foreknew, he foreordained, that we would be conformed in the image of his Son, Christ Jesus. And that because he did so, he justified us. And that justification, I want you to think of it like this, just as if I'd never sinned. My friends, here's why that's important. Because if God left even one blot, one stain of the sin upon us, we would not be redeemed. Why? Because he's a holy God and he cannot dwell among an unholy people. He cannot walk in the filth. He has to walk in that clean. He, can't, he cannot be in a dirty house, a dirty temple. He is holy. He is righteous. He is pure. He is undefiled. And so that is the reason God has called us to be different, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be brought out of the mire, the quagmire, the filth, the grime of sin. And then listen to verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? Listen to this. If God be for us, who can be against us? My friends, this is the security of the believer. This is your security as a believer in Christ. This is also the wonderful love of God. For let me ask you a question. If God, who spoke creation into existence, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who designed everything, who spoke and it was so, who was there before the foundations of the world, if that God is on your side, what do you have to fear? The principalities of man, the, 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 the assaults of hell, those cannot touch you. Those cannot touch you because the God of armies, the very God of gods, the Lord of hosts, the King of kings is for you. But now listen to how sincere and how God takes us so seriously and how he accomplished this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he 
not with him also freely give us all things. That's how serious God takes this. My friends, your salvation is so paramount to God, is so priceless, so precious, so cherished, that he sent his only begotten son. Isn't that what scripture said? He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And if I stop there for just a moment, I want you to think about this. We have a phrase that sometimes said, at all cost. No matter the cost. Well, my friends, God the Father did not spare or hold back on justice. He did not spare one thing for justice. 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 That is the fulfillment of the law. He spared not his only begotten son. Think about that for a moment. If your child was able to pay the price for justice, for mankind, for all eternity, that's honestly, I could not fathom my son having to lay down his life for all of mankind and willingly, willingly holding back when I had the power to stop it. When I would have the power to save my son's life. Those of you who know me know that I would gladly lay down my life for my son, for my family, for my loved one. But God did not spare his son for our redemption. Think about that for a moment. Does that sink in and tell you the value, the high cost of your redemption? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Now with my previous statement, you see how precious it is that God himself spared not his only begotten son that we would have redemption that we would have justice, that we would be justified. And now look at what was said. Because of that, who can lay any charge to God's elect? For it is God that justifies. And we are justified through the very blood of Jesus Christ. We are justified by his power, by the name of Jesus Christ. We are justified in the eyes of God. How precious it is when he would not hold back the sacrifice of his son for our redemption. And now, because we are God's elect, and God is justified, and he has promised us these good things, and we have a tendency to make it trivial. Who is he that condemneth? 
It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. This is verse 34, and this is talking about, my friends, this is speaking directly to the session of Christ. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You catch that? We again see in this chapter one of the purposes of the risen and exalted Christ. One of his responsibilities, one of his duties in the session is for him to make intercession for us. Who better to make intercession for us than Christ? It says right there that he is seated at the right hand making intercession. We don't need anyone else making intercession for us. We need Christ. He is the one who does it. He is the one. And we can see that in, in Hebrews 7, 25. Let me turn there really quick, just so you can see that. Let me get there. Hebrews 7, chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them that to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Christ's intercession on our behalf. How precious that is. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the very God of gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who died upon Calvary's tree, is the one interceding on your behalf. The one whom you've been justified by. The one whom you have been redeemed by, the one who spilled his very precious blood is making intercession for you. Think about that for just a moment. Just sit there and as I'm talking, let that sink in. That the very God whom you called upon to redeem your soul, who you committed your life to, is still making that intercession on your behalf when you've been justified, when you've been elected, when you've been sanctified, set apart for the working of the kingdom of God, and you have accepted that great commission, and you're going forth as that witness, and you're learning to be that disciple, the God, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer of mankind, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. How precious that is. Remember that the curtain was rent in two from top to bottom giving access into the Holy of Holies. That is why, my friends, prayer is of, is of such vital importance. When we pray, we go directly to the throne of grace. We don't have to go and go through a labyrinth. It is right there, the throne of grace. And we can go and talk to the very God who is pleading and interceding on our behalf that we will be able to do the will of the Father. How precious that is. Now listen to verse 35 and see if this doesn't help you get a little bit more excited. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And listen, because in this time of trouble, in this time where our nation, our world, this globe, this cosmos, all of creation is groaning, the world is changing, and people are looking for answers. And we as Christians have the answer. We have it. You know what it is? It's your faith 
in Jesus Christ. It is your hope of the resurrection. It is your confession of faith, that covenant relationship you made with Jesus Christ. And when we do the will of the Father, no matter what comes, no matter what trial, what tribulation, what persecution may come, you can have peace. And how many of you out there need peace today? I assure you that the majority of people in this world need peace. They're hurting, they're angry, and they're confused because they do not know the one who brings complete peace. And we as Christians have the answer and the opportunity to give that. And listen to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. My friends, that is the same spiritual persuasion that the Apostle Paul had that we need to have. So many people think, God doesn't love me because He didn't answer my prayer and I'm going through a hard time. My friends, my friends, He's still there. He has not changed. He has not left. Readjust your focus. Adjust the azimuth on the map of life that you would maintain a true north and a vigilance to follow after God. For it does not matter what comes. Your salvation is sure. Your eternal life is sure in Christ Jesus. My friends, there, there's something here I want to explain to you. I want to tell you very briefly as I have to wind down this one, ver this one uh, sermon. I want you to realize something. Realize that even though trials and tribulations may come, you must have that solid foundation, that mooring in your life that you serve the risen king. Even though you may be persecuted, you may be beaten, you even may be killed, but then you are set free from this mortal coil and you are in glory with Christ. Isn't that the very promise that he made to the thief upon the cross that today you shall be with me in paradise? My friends, if you're listening to this, I want you to understand that even though times may get tough, even though you're experiencing things you haven't experienced before, even though you may be still self-quarantining, you may have to do the social distancing thing, even though you are afraid of what is coming and you don't know where your next meal is coming from or if you're going to have a job in the fall when school is open, if you have no idea, rest assured your salvation does not change and everything is going to work together 
for the will and the glory of God for those who love God. But remember this. Remember, your salvation is not to be fair weather. Your relationship with Christ is not to be only in the good times and shout hallelujah when you get something in the mail that's good and cry out when something goes against you. My friends, your salvation needs to be as real and as genuine as possible. What do I mean by as possible? Remember that the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit that you are a son of God. It's a heart change. It's more than just a surface explanation. It's more than just saying, well, I'm going to church on Sunday or I'm listening to the radio or I'm watching on Facebook. No, it's who you are. It's not something that is ascribed, but rather something that is inscribed. Understand this. When something is ascribed, it means it is attached to. It means that it is now a part of because it's been attached. But if it is inscribed, that means that it is cut down into. It cannot be removed. It's part of. It's not an attachment where you pick it up and maybe get to it in a little bit when it's convenient. No, it's a mark that is indelible upon you. It cannot be altered. And so, my friends, what you must understand is that in your life, your yes must be yes, your no must be no, your conversion must be genuine and legitimate. Otherwise, otherwise, you're fooling yourself. We serve that God who can't, that will not separate us, but it doesn't mean that you can go and live like the devil and pick and choose when it's convenient or pick and choose pieces of Scripture to fit your agenda. Part of the issue that we have today in our service to Christ is that we want to pick verses that make us feel good. Well, that's all well and good to have something that encourages you. But we must also be willing to receive correction and discipleship. That's part of being made more. We read that previously in this chapter. Being made more to conform in the image of God. Listen, let me go back. Let's go back to verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might, do you catch that? To be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then he says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So what does that tell us? That everything we go through, our Christian life, is to be made more in the image of Christ. So, when we have these problems and these trials, when we have calamities in our land, 
we must remember we are inseparable from Christ. We have a spiritual victory because we are going through the sufferings of Christ. And in that, remember that we must be fully spiritually persuaded that we have that conviction in the knowledge that Christ is interceding for you and for me. Remember this. Let me go back and read verse 33 and following. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. If anything, it's 30 minutes that you're sharing with me today and that I am sharing with you. I want you to begin to see that Christ intercedes on our behalf. He intercedes for you by name. He knows every hair upon your head. He knows who you are, where you're at. He knows everything about you. And here's the good news. You do not have to make yourself ready to receive Christ. That I mean, you don't have to be perfect. Because when he does that work in you, it's just getting started. Let him clean you up. You don't have to be cleaned up to go to church. You don't have to be cleaned up to come to Christ. You just have to acknowledge that you need him. That he can redeem your soul and lift you out of this mire. But I tell you something. It is a lifelong commitment. And it is one that you would never trade for anything. For I assure you, you can't take anything of this world with you. But you can have our Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in unto thy rest. May you be blessed. May you be encouraged. May you be strengthened and edified. And my friends, Please check us out at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. Also check us out on Facebook. Send us an email. Call us. Visit us at 1320 West Nolana Avenue. And we would welcome any donation you would have to this ministry. It doesn't stay here in the church. It goes out into service in the community. For we are working where God has planted us. We have put our hand to the plow. And we are not looking back. We are seeking to be the faithful servants and stewards of the kingdom of God and work in this troubled time for his glory. And won't you join us in that? Won't you join us in the work of the kingdom? May you be blessed and encouraged. Come on down and see us. We'd love to meet you. love to hear from you. Love to have you extend that hand of fellowship with us. And let's put our hand to the plow together. May God bless you and keep you. May you be encouraged in all things. Thank you.